Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You are locked on Pelican. Your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, coming to you on this Friday uh, before the New Year's weekend. Uh, Pelicans play tonight in the Smoothie King Center against the New York Knicks. Uh, so we'll have a podcast touching on that today, touching on that small ball lineup some more. There's been a lot of talk of that still, even though it didn't really work out in the Clippers game. And I talked a little, briefly a little bit about that uh, yesterday. Also today, going to have Michael Pelache of BourbonStreetShots.com on to talk about uh, Czech Diallo, but he healed a little bit. Uh, give you some insight into how those guys, their games have changed. Uh, what's Diallo doing well? What does he need to work on? Should he be getting more minutes? Should the Pelicans keep with what they're doing right now since they are, you know, on on a bit of a winning streak, three games in a row here, uh, four out of their last five overall. Buddy Heald has also played very well in December. Uh, what's he done differently? How has his game changed? Uh, and what's making him a much better player? Is it just confidence? Is there something more to it? Uh, and what else does he bring to the table besides his shooting and the offense? Those are things uh, everyone wants to know. Those are things that are going to be important for the development of him during his career. So I'm happy to have Michael on as well. Don't forget, Locked On Pelicans is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, there's a podcast for every NFL team, every NBA team, uh, coming to you guys five days a week, giving you analysis like you're not getting anywhere else, at least not in this type of uh, setting either. Uh, it's a bit of a game changer when it comes to podcasting and radio and, and being able to listen and hear about your favorite team. Uh, if you're a big Saints fan, there's Locked On Saints coming to you guys, like I said, five days a week. The offseason starting for the Saints soon without any playoffs, so there's going to be a whole lot to talk about there. Sean Payton news, uh, who might they draft, who might they target in free agency. Um, if you're a fan of just the NFL as a whole, there's Locked On NFL. You know, this is Locked On Pelicans. I know you guys like the NBA. Locked On NBA with the head of the network, David Locke, is a wonderful podcast. Uh, that's once a week, so make sure you're subscribed to that as well. Subscribe to Locked On Pelicans on iTunes, Audio Boom, whatever podcast app you use, tweet out the links when you see them, share them with your friends. Uh, it's only going to be a good thing for the podcast, so I definitely appreciate that. So before I get into the topics of the podcast today, I do want to mention, you guys have heard me mention it before, and that is SeatGeek. Uh, the best way to get tickets to any type of event, concert, sporting event, basketball, football, whatever it is, uh, SeatGeek is the best way to get in on the action. Uh, it's a ticket aggregator, so they're going to take tickets from lots of different sites in addition to the ones listed there. They're going to give you the best prices. Sometimes people list different seats on different websites, and sometimes you can find them cheaper one place versus another. SeatGeek is going to make you know that all easy for you. They're not going to make you search around for multiple sites. Uh, they're going to have them all there for you. They're going to have the prices listed, the lowest price possible. And not only that, they're going to list uh, whether it's a good deal or a bad deal for you. 
you want to spend money uh, a smart way, and SeatGeek's going to help you do that. Uh, so when they have a rating on there, it says it is a good buy. Make sure you snap up those tickets before someone else does because you're probably getting the, the seats that you want, maybe better seats than you were expecting, at a cheaper price than you would have otherwise. That's only a good thing. Another good thing is for Locked On Pelicans listeners, there's a promo. When you d- go to the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, whatever the, the app store you use, download the SeatGeek app to your phone, go into settings, go to enter promo code, and put in the promo code LO Pelicans, as in Locked On Pelicans, LO Pelicans. It's going to give you a $20 rebate uh, just for the first purchase you make. You were going to buy these tickets anyway. You may as well get something back for it. Uh, Use it for concessions or what have you. They're going to send you a check in the mail for $20 just for buying something you were already going to buy. That's a great deal. Uh, So make sure you download the SeatGeek app today. Put in the promo code LOPELICANS and make sure you're inside the action and in the arena, in the Smoothie King Center, the Superdome for the Sugar Bowl, whatever it is. Make sure you're there for the games that you want to be at with SeatGeek. And joining me on Locked On Pelicans is Michael Pelichet of BourbonStreetShots.com. He and I actually used to host a podcast together for a little bit called On The Fly, though that's kind of fallen off. But uh, Michael, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, I'm happy to be uh, to be on the podcast. It's kind of like bringing back old memories. It's, we just got it. This is so easy for us. We don't even need to think. We can just jump into everything. Yeah. It's like the giving yeah, go we, here. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> we're, we're just both rusty. Who knows? Uh, so yeah. I wanted to bring you on because you've been talking a lot about both of the Pelicans rookies in Czech Diallo and Buddy Heald. And I think you've watched at least Diallo closer than... I think anyone else. So I think it'd be a good idea to get you on here. Talk about him. He's shown some, some good basketball play, but just doesn't seem to be getting the minutes. What's your, what's your take on him? I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't gotten any run because for a little bit, he was at least getting like 10, 15 minutes per night, just depending on the, the matchup. Um, and obviously some nights he's sad because he's not going to take AD's minutes and he's not really big enough to defend uh, the bigger fives. So that was kind of expected. But I, I have been a little bit shocked that he hasn't gotten any minutes, especially since they've moved to uh, sort of a smaller lineup and more like probably a quicker lineup. Um, I mean, Ashik and Achenza haven't played at all, I think, the last two games. Um, and I, I would have thought that Diallo would have picked up a couple minutes there. But I, I, I mean, really don't know. Go ahead. They're trying to go small, it seems, to just play faster and pay, play with pace right. and more of a system they want. And Diallo seems like a guy who can do that. That's that's what I feel like. I think that you know if you're going to play Diallo, especially if you're going to play him alongside AD, I think what you're trying to achieve is you're trying to achieve a really really mobile, fluid lineup. And I think you get exactly that. Um, obviously, the limitations is that the limitations are that Diallo is not a very advanced offensive player. But given how much AD has to attack from outside anyway, I don't really see how having him to crash the offensive boards would be any different from someone like Terrence Jones. Because Terrence Jones, as much as he can like drive to the rim provide you no spacing. So, like, if he's out on the perimeter, he's not doing anything. So how different is that than having Diallo, you know, sitting off ball screens and crashing the offensive boards? And actually giving you production that's kind of useful. I mean, he's shown a lot in terms of crashing. He shows uh, a decent kind of sense, I get, in the in the pick and roll and when to roll, and it seems like he can get open kind of well. Yeah, and I think that stems from his mobility. I mean, I honestly, going into the season, I did not think he was – I just didn't realize how mobile he was. I mean, you kind of have to see sometimes players stack up against NBA athletes before you really can be sure that they can move around with them. And 
he is really, really quick. I mean, he really, like you said, I think he has a good feel for just setting a pick and then moving out of it and, and knowing when to do so. Um, I don't think that that is natural for everybody. And I think when you combine his willingness to set screens with his mobility and with his ability to score on the roll without a couple of dribbles, um, I think that you have the makings of a really good role man. Yeah, it seems like he should be just getting more run in. So is there a reason you think it is? I think it's probably because uh, they're, they're still trying to fight for the playoffs, even though, you know, I don't think it's necessarily realistic. They're close in the standings. But it seems like he wants uh, – Gentry wants to play guys he trusts, and I just – Diallo just isn't one of those guys right now? I think that probably nails it on the head. I think if you look at his defense, his defense is like – I mean, he's just lost. And I don't mean that necessarily as an insult, just because that's so typical for a guy who only spends one year in college, and he didn't really play that much in college. He got, college. like, no minutes. Um, I can't – yeah. So, I mean, if you look at him, I mean, that's kind of understood. So, like, he'll get lost in rotations, but he's actually a really good – he has really good tools to be a defender. It's just a matter of giving him the minutes to, like, find out what he's supposed to be doing. But right now, he doesn't know. So, like you said, if they are going to be trying to compete for the playoffs, which I think they are – um, I think that kind of forces their hand, and, and they just don't trust him. I mean, Gentry doesn't trust him, and I, I understand that. But if you're between him and Agenda and Oshik, like they're not giving you anything really anyway on most nights. So what's the harm in playing someone who could make an impact, albeit one where he really is just like running around with a chicken with his head cut off? I mean, that's a pretty good description. He also, when you say that, like I'm just like blood spurting and I want to laugh now. But I mean, so like a chicken with its head cut off is like running around like a, like a maniac. But that's kind of what he does out there. That guy has more energy, I think, than like multiple guys on the Pelicans combined. Yeah, I don't think there have been several points in the season where like during a game it was like, oh, my God, what am, what am I watching? Because they just don't move. And as much as Diallo doesn't know how to focus that movement, he is at least someone who for like 20 minutes a night just – you can't teach a motor like that. So you look at guys like Fareed, um, to Diallo. I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. I can't. But, I mean, that's just not something you can teach. And if you combine that with mobility and at least some sort of skill set, you wind up with a player who, albeit is limited, is someone who can make an impact just because he forces you to constantly be aware of what he's doing. So – I've been really happy with that. He's worked so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing he's not getting the run on the court right now. But I, I, you would imagine if the Pelicans fall like fully out of playoff contention, uh, he should start getting minutes. You know, maybe maybe not exactly at the start of the second half of the season, but the last quarter of the season, you would assume he's going to uh, be on the court. I mean, do you see him as an ideal big maybe to pair with Davis? Is there some uh, struggle to fit them together, or they do they complement each other pretty well? I think it depends on what night you're playing. I mean, I think that there's some nights I really am not of the mindset that AD can hold up an entire season as a five. And I don't really think the is strong enough or thick enough to do that either. So I think, I think they could get minutes together, but I think it's something where you mix and match and then you just keep them on the bench for the most part. Uh, but given what he is good at, I mean, if you run a small ball lineup and if he ever develops that mid range shot, um, and can com- become a better shot, like just basically, I guess, more aware on defense. Um, you do have the makings of a really athletic, good rim-protecting lineup with those two against smaller teams. So, um, no, not an ideal fit, but someone who could get minutes with him in the right situation to be really good. I mean, and still someone who's going to be a piece for the Pelicans, uh, you know, moving forward. I know they kind of, kind of, I say, traded up for him. 
Uh, it was more they just had to you – know, they didn't have roster spots for two second-round picks, only had one, so you may as well package him and move up and get a guy you like a little bit better. But he should be a piece going forward. It's been a bit of a nice bright spot in kind of a, a mucky Pelican season so far. Uh, but I want to switch to the rookie everyone knows about, Buddy Heald. And you said you're, you're working on an article, I think, right now about him. Uh, in December, he looks like a different player. Uh, what's been, you know, kind of the change uh, that's caused him to play so well? You know, with shooters, it's often, I mean, there's so much volatility with shooters, especially younger ones where they'll just have games and, I guess, sequences of games where they won't shoot well. Um, early on, we actually saw just a qualitative difference in the way that he was shooting. I mean, he just looked scared. I mean, just everything that he did to me indicated that he was scared of taking a shot. And I think there's a huge difference between taking shots at Oklahoma, where he was the alpha and omega, and then when you're playing with Anthony Davis, you kind of have to recalibrate, well, what is a good shot? So, like, you're, you're already thinking. And as a shooter, like, thinking is just the enemy. Like, if you see a good shot, you take it. And I think what you're seeing in December is whatever change in him, I don't know what it is. Shaman said it might have been a conversation with Davis that they had or something. But, I mean, whatever it is, like, you can see that he's a lot less hesitant to take shots. And I think it's kind of a mindset change. And I think it's, like, kind of a reversion back to what we expected. Someone who's willing to take big shots and get open and not hesitate, which is something that the Pelicans desperately need. I mean, you see it just on the court right now. It's 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 like a confidence thing more than anything to me. Look at how excited he gets after he makes a shot. Look at him just kind of like knowing, yeah, this is what I do, sticking three fingers up in the air, you know, screaming to the Pelicans bench and cheering and getting everyone excited. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like a light switch has just gone off in his head. And so, you know, I, I think people were willing to write him off, you know, far too early after like 10 games of his rookie season. Uh, now it's it's just turned on. Um, what else have you seen from him? One of the things I've noticed is, uh, you know, he's known for being the three-point shooter. That's what everyone wants him to be. But he's shown some pretty strong ball handling, especially the past couple of games. He had that kind of double spin against the Clippers. Against the Mavs, he had one or two moves. He's getting to the rim a whole lot uh, better than he was before. I think that I've been pleasantly surprised at how well he's ball handled and like, secondary situations, I don't think he'll ever be an isolation scorer unless his three-point pull-up shot is just so good that teams have to come out on him and that sets up everything else. Um, but if you watch him, I, it's, it's interesting. Like A lot of times when he'll have to create op- isolation, he actually had one opportunity, I think, against Spates last night, who was not known for his defense. And he like got scared after he drove and threw it out kind of wildly. Um, and I think that's kind of reflective of what he will be. I think he will be a decent secondary ball handler whose three-point shot will always force help, which will open up the roll man or open up heels on a switch. But I don't think he'll ever be a great um, primary ball handler because he doesn't have a great first step. Like, he doesn't create separation great. So when he gets to the rim, it's usually a product of the defense, like fighting over a screen or um, him timing a curl well and then actually hitting him on the curl with the ball. And I think those are the situations where he will get to the rim. And because he doesn't have a great, uh, he's not very explosive. So he'll have to develop some craft to finish around the rim against bigger defenders. And um, what have you seen on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, that's where the, you know, the emphasis has been for the Pelicans a lot this year. He still looks lost at times. Uh, He doesn't anticipate screens coming up. He runs into those things like hard at times just because he has no idea they're coming. Uh, Is he even serviceable on that side? Like I said, you've been watching him closer than really anyone else has. 
Unfortunately, I could probably only give you as much as, much as you did. I, I honestly don't watch enough of his individual defense, but what I have noticed is I don't think he really stays attached to his man very well through screens, um, which kind of reflects what you just said. And I think he just, like there was one time last night where he uh, – he was like kind of lost for a second, so like basically Terrence Jones all the time, and he like looked, and then all of a sudden like his man was gone, and he just like was panicking. I was just laughing. I mean, he just didn't know. He he recovered quickly, but like you'll have moments like that, but that's what you expect. Like I mean, Buddy Hill will never be an elite NBA defender, but as long as you're willing and able, like you have some sort of mobility or strength, he has strength more so than mobility. Um, but I think he's going to be capable of guarding his man at least an adequate level and then he'll probably become a, a decent team defender. And ultimately, if you're the offensive player that you know we expect him to be, at least as a shooter, I, I think his effect on offense will, and if he can just be a decent defender, he's going to be a good player. I mean, that's, that's his ceiling to me, and that's also what I expect from him. I, I expect him to reach a good player who changes games on offense with his spacing and is adequate enough on defense to leave him in. I mean, so basically what everyone said his ceiling was of J.J. Redick is exactly what we're talking about right now. I mean, it's I, just... I prim- Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's just he seems like a J.J. Redick type to me so much. I think so. I think what J.J. Redick has on him right now, besides the fact that J.J. Redick's been doing three-point shooting so well for, for years, is that J.J. Redick also comes off mid-range curls really well and gets a decent amount of lift on those, and he gets his shot off so quickly. Like, he jumps, and then he squares up after... He actually catches the ball and jumps. Um, he's lethal for mid-range. And I think that's part of Buddy's game that all have to develop to really become that kind of player. But I do expect that he will be a slightly better ball handling, better defender. Um, I don't know if he'll be exactly the shooter that Redick is, but I would say, yeah, I, I think that's the same Oprah player that Buddy will be. Which, you know, if he get, comes kind of close to that, I think the Pelicans and Pelicans fans should be happy. I know a lot of people are screaming for Jamal Murray, though, but he's kind of outplaying him over December so far. So hopefully, you know, it's it's a long season. We're not halfway there yet. He's got plenty of time to, you know, keep improving. And I think if December's anything to go by, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a positive thing for Pelicans fans. And you can see why the team invested the number six pick in him uh, overall. Uh, so, Michael, thanks for coming on Locked on Pelicans with me, talking about the two Pels rookies. Uh, what you got coming over at Bourbon Street Shot soon? Uh, so, actually, an article on Buddy and just people's expectations and how people have this wide window of what Buddy's going to be, where I actually, what you said, I think it's pretty clear what he's going to become, and I think that's a good thing, but not a game-changing thing necessarily, like just a, a good player you can rely on who will be an asset for you and that's unequivocally a good thing for your team. Yeah, no complaints there. And let everyone know how they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, sure. If you can uh, spell my last name, it's at Mike, M-I-K-E, Pelliche, P-E-L-L-I-S-S-I-E-R. Double consonants. Yeah, basically. (laughs) We like to load up on consonants. That's how I remember how to spell it, basically, <laughs> rather than yeah. watching it in emails and stuff when I'm typing on my phone really quickly. Though I think it's like in there is saved under like autocorrect, so it knows your name now. Well, I appreciate it. Most people try to pronounce it now. At this point, I don't even correct them anymore. So just I roll with it, and you know, I was born with the name. I can't really choose it, but it's a. Uh... I'm rambling. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. So that's probably a good time to uh, call it quits. Yeah, just like our, our old podcast where we just keep going and we had like, no idea the direction we were going. All right, so thanks for coming on. I'll definitely get you on again here uh, throughout the season. This was good. That was some great insight on those two players. So thanks for coming on.
Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Great insight there from Michael Pelichet. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. He tweets out during the games uh, a lot of insight on those two players, if Diallo's playing, I guess, but uh, especially on Buddy Heal. So he might send a tweet out on something he sees. You can kind of follow along with it in real time, know the specific play he was just talking about, uh, You know, just make you appreciate those guys more, watch their games evolve a little bit more. Also, very good writer for BourbonStreetShots.com. You knew I was going to plug the site. Come on now. Uh, so make sure you check out his work there, my work there, the work of the other great writers we have uh, for the site. Uh, so to wrap up, I don't want to keep you guys too long as you ease into the New Year's Eve weekend uh, here. A lot of fun to be had, I'm sure, by everybody. Uh, but the Pelicans play tonight in the Smoothie King Center against the New York Knicks. And I'm, I'm curious to see if Gentry is going to start that small lineup again. The uh, Drew Holiday, Buddy Heald, Solomon Hill, Dante Cunningham, Anthony Davis starting lineup. It struggled offensively against the Clippers after having a good game against the Mavs. And like I said on yesterday's podcast, its good game was against a bad team. The bad game was against a good team. So still a lot of noise, not too large of a sample size to really take much away from it uh, just yet. Uh, and really the small lineup is those three front court guys, Davis, Cunningham, Hill. The guards are largely interchangeable. Uh, that's really what makes it considered a small lineup. So diving into some of the stats from that Clippers game, that small lineup did indeed play with a fast pace again. The game was fast paced in general. And remember I talked to you guys saying that Dallas game worried me because it had a slow pace. But if you dive into the time of possessions, uh, the Pelicans played very, very quickly. So the reason this lineup's been kind of effective is that low time of possession. They're taking shots right away uh and it's funny i read there was a tweet out there from i guess he's a head coach i didn't even know this was a thing um mike d'antoni's brother i think it's sam dan maybe dan d'antoni that's what i think it was i didn't even know he had a brother who apparently coaches somewhere it sounds like it's in college and they asked him and said you know why aren't you getting the ball into the post more why aren't you looking for more post up opportunities and he kind of went on a little rant that if you can find the quote it's really good um, talking about how the post-up is largely one of the worst shots in the NBA. The best shot is the corner three. The next best shot is any other three-pointer. And it kind of trickles around from there depending on what you're, what, what you're looking for. And that's in terms of a yield of points per possession. Well, this Pelican small ball lineup works. They don't have a ton of touches because they're trying to get open three-pointers or open easy looks at the rim. Not a post-up over another player, which has a much lower points per possession. So if you look at the game against the Clippers uh, that night, Pelicans had very few touches just kind of down low. So, uh, But yet they still had a higher points per touch overall. If you, so this is kind of what we're going by right now. Uh, on the day, and most teams played yesterday, I think the entire league might have, uh, the Pelicans had the fourth fewest elbow touches. So touches kind of off to the side of the basket a little bit, but a little bit high. In terms of post touches... Uh, Pelicans were third lowest on the night. And when it comes to paint touches, points in the paint, you know, you want to score close at the rim. Uh, the Pelicans were had, had the sixth fewest. And so it just goes to show you that, hey, uh, they're not posting up a lot. You have Anthony Davis, and when you do post up, it's probably going to be effective. But the reason this lineup works is because of that Davis jumper to space the court to keep it open. And it allows those guards to drive to the rim uh, if they have the ability to do so without largely it being contested because it drags the defender out of the paint. 
So it's going to be interesting to see. I wonder if they're going to trot this out against the New York Knicks. The Knicks do have two very good big men, kind of three, depending on where Carmelo Anthony's playing. He plays small forward. He plays uh, power forward a little bit for them, but not very much. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Do they want to use this lineup? Uh, Joaquin Noah, while not a threat offensively, Davis can handle him on the offensive end, even though he's fairly physical. He's not really a threat to score. Davis can handle that uh, pretty pretty well. He struggled guarding uh, DeAndre Jordan, so those big bruising centers, it shows why they like a power forward to draw that defensive assignment a lot of the time. Uh, but Davis can handle Noah. Porzingis is a bit of a, a hybrid player that you probably want Davis Guarding, so you got to wonder though, because Noah is so bad offensively, maybe they trust Cunningham uh, to try and handle that assignment, knowing that he's just not really going to score that much, even if uh, Noah has a height advantage and it's kind of a mismatch in that sense there. So you, I wouldn't be shocked if you see uh, them trot out that small ball starting lineup with uh, Cunningham guarding Noah, Hill on Carmelo Anthony, and Davis drawing. Uh, Porzingis, who's on my fantasy team, so I hope he has a good game and no one else on that team has a good game. And then the Pelicans win, and we'd all be happy. Um, but, you know, Porzingis is an interesting player, such a freak. you got to guard him out on the perimeter. Uh, and, and, frankly, if you put Cunningham on, Cunningham on him and he jumps to take a three-point jumper, Cunningham's not going to be able to contest it. Cunningham doesn't keep his hands up on defense, by the way. If you watch it, his arms up. Um, after the shot is already like halfway to the basket and it makes it look like he's defending really well, but he isn't. So that's why you can kind of hide him on. No, it's going to be interesting. They are going to run that, that small ball lineup at times. I don't know if it'll start, but it probably will get, you know, at least eight minutes together, uh, tonight, tonight, yeah, tonight in the Smoothie King Center against the Knicks. It'll give us another game to kind of evaluate it, see if this is what's going to save the Pelican season or if this is uh, a good tactic going forward. But you saw last night when they do go small at times, they can play in transition. Uh, they had a lot of fast break points against the Clippers. It was great to see. That's exactly what the Pelicans want to do. That's not something they've been able to do this year. And a lot of that is you're playing at times two clunky centers and Omer Oshik and Alexi Ajinsa. Now that they're out of the rotation, it kind of frees them up a little bit to kind of get out there and run, which is exactly what an Alvin Gentry team wants to do. So that's going to be it for Lockdown Pelicans. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael Pelichet. He's going to be back on at times with me. He's a good friend of mine, so I like having him on. Has some great, great insight into the team. Writes really well for BourbonStreetShots.com. And more small ball. That's kind of the talk of the team right now. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll talk about it on Monday. We'll recap that game. I hope everyone has a, uh, a happy New Year's Eve. Be safe. It can be dangerous out there. Uh, but enjoy yourself. Enjoy all the bowl games. I'm excited for the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, all of that. And the playoff games are going to be great, too. Uh, so get your football in. And Monday, we'll be back to talking about basketball. Basketball.